unburdened. Welcome to Unburdened. Uh, this is episode two, and I am joined by Gerald and Corbin. I'm Rashani. Um, first and foremost, I do want to thank everybody who's been listening to the show and everybody who's joined the Facebook page. Uh, we've had a lot of really enriching, I, I feel, open and honest conversations um, on the page. Uh, I, I do feel like we... Uh, have been able to talk with folks about things such as um, mental health, about racism. Uh, one person was uh, concerned about why the show was uh, directed more towards black men than towards all men. And Gerald, I think you handled that conversation absolutely wonderfully. Um and 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 I just wanted to commend you on that uh, because my answer was just going to be straight out. Um, sometimes the people that we are talking about or the issues that we may be facing may be an issue that they may not be uh, privy to or they may not have encountered. And so... I think that it may be more of a roadblock than it would be a throughway if we then had to explain why the situation was actually a, uh, a triggering or troublesome situation for us. Um, and I don't think that that answer would have uh, came out with the same type of uh, complete understanding that your answer did. Um, and so I just wanted to say kudos to you. That was very well written. You have a, a grace and a way about uh, words that I don't always have, and I'm learning from you. I just wanted to make sure that I said that. Well, I appreciate that. Um, so full disclosure, though, so that was actually a, a, a really good friend of mine that I grew up with mm -hmm. elementary school up, and we've had a lot of those conversations over over the years and we've kind of come to an understanding of we're not going to completely see eye to eye on things but he's one of those people that uh from the time that I kind of had this big awakening and, and started being much more vocal about racism he has engaged with me every step of the way um uh, with with alternate views with challenging views but constantly with respect mm -hmm. and so I I know that um I can have a conversation with him and I can just kind of uh, tactfully say, you know, because that's what it is. And he'll be the kind of person who says, oh, okay, I feel that. Here's my perspective on this, too. And then, you know, we can move on. So, yeah, there's definitely those people who are, they're ready to have the conversation, and they're also ready to just kind of understand when when you say it's this is just how it is. It's how we're going to do it. There's a... There's a growing peace in that sort of a, a relationship where uh, you don't have to, it's it's not a but why type relationship. It's a I trust you in this. I understand. Uh, and I'm going to watch you grow 
even if I'm not going to be growing with you in that way. Maybe I might grow uh, in my own time, but we're still going to be close. Um, now, we are available on Twitter at UnburdenedPod. Um, you can email us uh, at blackinunburdened at gmail.com. Um, and the voicemail is 916-572-9016. Uh, Corbin, how are you doing today? Well, today has not been the best of days. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> Why not? Well, I uh, went outside, or actually our downstairs bathroom under the sink has been leaking water. And it's now leaking water into the garage. So I have moved everything out of the garage this morning. I have uh, kind of put my fans out there and turned off the water under the sink in the downstairs bathroom and trying to figure out if that's the only spot. So I've been running water everywhere else. But that's my day. How about yours? My week's been okay. You know what I realized? Um, and and my, my week's been good. It's It's been, I haven't been sleeping well. I never sleep well. Um, even if I go to bed at uh, 9.30, and I'm a night owl, so if I go to bed at 9.30, 10.30 uh, p.m., I am still going to wake up at 2.30, 3 o'clock in the morning. And... Um, some people say that it's that 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 you're chasing your dreams uh, when you sleep that that restlessly. Um, but I just, I it's just where I am now. Like I I don't get good nights of sleep, and then when I finally get back to sleep, I end up oversleeping the next day to make up for the time that I missed. Uh, and that generally only happens on the weekend. So I overslept this morning. Um, I have been having some really really vivid dreams um of people like that i know being in danger and i'm just like one step away from being able to like i had a dream where my wife was uh on the edge of a cliff and I saw her on the edge of the cliff and I was rushing to run and try and grab her and I was one step too late and I woke up just reaching out to my wife and then I didn't want to go back to sleep and those are the kind of dreams that I have it's like they're so real you know it's like it. you can see and feel everything I had a dream once where um, my brother and I were in some area it wasn't even uh the area we live in or the area we lived in it was just like it it seemed like and this is absolutely no shade at all but it seemed like the area of baltimore where they filmed the hamsterdam episode of the wire and um we both had guns don't ask me why um and my brother was like let's go this way and we went that way and there was a gunfight going on, and my brother was like, that's our friend. You go, and I'll be right behind you. And um, I ran into the fire, and I turned around, and he was gone, and I got shot. And I felt every single hit 
in my dream and I woke up crying. I just have these really fanciful dreams that at the same time are horrifying and so real that I, I think I'm scared to sleep. Like my body is like, don't fall too deeply into sleep. And I'm not trying to make it sound like Nightmare on Elm Street or anything like that. It's just like my body is like, if you fall into a good REM sleep, you're going to have this dream and there's nothing we can do to protect you from it. So I'm just going to wake you up before you get to that point. And have you looked it up? Huh? Have you looked it up to see maybe why or what it's supposed to you know, foretell or whatever? No, and, and quite honestly, it's because a part of my mind is still telling me that, oh, yeah, dream interpretation and all that. I don't believe in that stuff. And and it's still like, I'll take care of this on my own, even though I don't know how to take care of it. I don't know how to face it. Um, and so I will have a dream and wake up and not do anything about it and just hope that I don't have another one. But I've been having like these same vivid dreams since I was a kid. And so at some point, I guess I'm going to have to take steps, maybe therapy. It always comes back to me. It it, it seems like the solution to a lot of the things that I go through is therapy, but it seems like the primary blockade to that solution is pride. Um, I know exactly what you mean because I feel the same way. <laughs> the same exact way. My pride gets in the way of a lot of a lot of growth, quick growth. Like I realized I could get things like I could have come to a point a lot sooner. I could have taken the interstate to this point if my pride wasn't like, no, nah, you can't go this way. Nope, nope, this is what we're gonna do. Mm-hmm. You 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 doing what right now? You you're gonna you're gonna go look for I'm all the help you need, baby. You can't quit me. And it's like, we um, all we got. It's like, okay, what you going to do when they're out of when they're not in the office? Who you going to talk to then? You ain't got people are going to judge you. I think that that's my biggest, like, not my biggest fear, but judgment. Um, There was a situation. I know, Gerald, you had spoken on this um, a few days ago as something that you wanted to bring up. So actually, you know what, Gerald, the conversation that we were having a few days ago. Why don't you go ahead and uh, recount that uh, that we were having in in the in the messenger group? Because uh, I think that's going to lead to the same conversation that we're having right now. Which one about religion, or which other? Which one were we talking about? Um, I thought we were talking about how um, we were. Hold on one second. It, yeah, it, let me pull it up real quick because we because we've been jumping in the group talking about some of everything. Yeah. Um. Is it the one about cleaning his house? No. I hope that I hope that you and your your uh yeah yeah the religious that actually was yes. Let's go ahead and talk about that. The religious head of the household because it does yeah, fall yeah, into yeah, yeah. this. Go for it. Yeah. So that's that's a frustrator for me. Uh, um. So I was talking about the way that it presses on me and it bugs me. This whole idea that, especially for black men, it's like we're not fit to be men. We're not fit to be even dated. Definitely not married or a parent. 
unless we are like this super religious Bible thumping, you know, masculine, I'm making all the decisions type of, um, you know, man. And, and, and it's weird because on the one hand you have people saying, you know, you've got this toxic masculinity. And then on the other hand, you have people saying, well, if you aren't that, and if you are not steeped in Jesus and if you don't, you know, lead with whatever religious um, front, then you're you're not fit to be dated. You're not fit to be a parent. You're not fit to be a husband. Uh, and that just it, it has always bothered me. But it really has bothered me since I you know, made my decision to just walk away from the idea of religion in and of itself, because I've never experienced religion or religious people in a really positive way, but <clears throat> I've experienced life with spiritual people, <clears throat> and as what I would consider to be a spiritual person, um, in a in a much more positive way, and a much more productive way, and in a way that has helped me and people around me and, and my family much more than, uh, you know, carrying that traditional, you know, religious Bible thumper role. And it just it bothers me that that's the expectation. But then it also bothers me when all of um, whenever you interact with somebody, whenever you need some type of a support or whenever you're going through something in a moment and you you just reach out looking for some kind of practical help or guidance or advice or somebody else who's been there. And the only thing people can offer is um, just give it to God. Mm -hmm. Give it to God and pray. It'll solve everything. If you still having problems, it's obviously because you're not praying hard enough and you're not giving it to God hard enough. So just do that and it'll all be all right. It's just it that bothers me so much because when I hear that, what I hear is, I don't know how to help you. So I'm just going to tell you to go pray about it. And I'm like, you could have just like not said anything if you don't know how to help. So anyway, there's a lot more to it. But but that whole thing just I come across it all the time because, you know, my wife is Catholic. I grew up in Catholic schools. My my whole family is, is Baptist or some version of it. And I've been around all forms of Christianity my whole life, and I, I never really fully bought into any of it. Uh, and as an adult, I just made a decision at, at some point of this is this is not right for me. Um, but my my wife is Catholic. The kids are growing up in you know in the Catholic Church because that's what they require in order for you to even for them to even say yes, you can get married in our church, which was important to her. Um, but for me, you know, it's, it's not that big a deal. It's like, all right, well, you know, they're exposed to this religion. She's, um, you know, she cares about this religion, so I'm, I'm good with it, right? I don't have a problem with my kids growing up in that. When they get older, they're going to have to make their own decisions in life, and I want them to have the ability to do that uh, without me trying to influence them one way or another. But it really bothers me that people outside my family want to either influence or look down on me because I won't influence in one way or another. It's just, it's a whole thing. As good as God has been to you, <laughs> this is how you do God. See, the reason, see, you have these issues is because you've not fully given whatever issues
conversation you have over to God. If you buy my book, though, it will tell you the 12 steps on how to do that, brother. It is twenty nine ninety five. Um, yeah, I, I, I see where you're coming from. And I go through rounds of that. Uh, but just a little background. My mother's an associate pastor. I grew up in the church. I went to revivals with my grandma in Arkansas in the heat with no air conditioner. I've, I've had Martin Luther King fans. I have heard it all. And there will be two to three years of my life where I look back and I am all about it, 100%. I'm in it. I'm praying hard. I'm reading my Bible. I'm staying in my I'm, I'm walking with Christ, and then there's like a two or three year period that I just, I don't do any of that, and, and it's because I, I just don't, I don't know, I mean, I, I'm, I'm very, I believe in a higher power, I just don't know how that would affect Hello? And I don't, I, I don't have a, and no one can explain it to me in a good way to where I'm like, okay, well, I get that. It just leads to other questions that they can't answer for me. But yeah, I'll pray for you and thoughts and prayers have been like the biggest, okay, so you can't do anything uh, in my life so far. So I know exactly what you mean. I have been in the Baptist church my entire life. And um, the thing that never stops being hilarious to me, like never stops, is how they want you to have, they want the men to be the head of the household because they want the men to be the head of the church. Uh, but while they want the men to be the head of the household and the head of the church, men aren't coming to service. Like you'll, you'll see in the, in the Baptist church, at the very least, it's about 85% ladies and then 15% of their kids. <laughs> and there's no real adult men who are in there. Um, I never had a good, I, I, I've no, let me take that back. Let me be honest. I've had great experiences with Christian men with uh, with the with people of the church, but I've never had a good experience with the church. Um, the church is where I got bullied um, by a kid at the church, um, and the church told me to just pray over it and 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 be open to God's will. Um, the church is where when my friend died as a teenager, um, and I found out about it on Christmas Day. The church told me that God had a plan for my friend's death. The church told us that we had a that 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 there was a, a plan for my my niece's death. When she died, she was five months old. There was a plan. And my mindset was always I think it's pretty selfish for the plan to be I'm gonna take this person's life so then you can grow and learn from it. Um, this, this, this person who really hasn't even had a chance to experience anything yet, this person whose life could have been so enriching to so many more people, but you want to tell me that the Lord took this life away so that then 
I can be a sadder person and a better Christian. Like I don't, I don't, I don't cop to that. Um, my dad never really went to church. So the religious head of the household mantle was never as big of a push upon him as it was upon us because we would hear about it at church and then we would go home and my dad wasn't, wasn't religious at all. And it was so, it was like, okay, is my dad less of a man because he's not a religious head of the household? Like what exactly are we looking for here? Um, it's just, it's strange to hear the church talk about what men need to do when the men in the church have made openly, uh, misogynistic, uh, statements. They have openly made movements that have held back the women in the church. And there's some pastors who openly are preying on the women who they're supposed to be counseling. But you tell us that we need to be the religious head of the church when you're just showing us that the religious head of the church or the religious head of the household when the religious head of the church isn't doing what they need to be doing either. Yeah, that's that's so real. And, and you see that all the time. Another thing that um, that is kind of crazy to me and what eventually I, I don't want to say drove me away, but I would say it showed me that this is not the place for me is as I grew up and I tried to rectify the the part of the Bible that says love God with all your heart and all your mind and all your soul and love your neighbor as yourself. These are the two greatest commandments and all of the laws and the prophets lean on these two things. When I try to rectify that with the... Um, I'm not going to try to quote scriptures, but ultimately anybody who's homosexual is bad. Anybody who is transgender is bad. Anybody who is uh, not a Christian is bad. Uh, it's okay for you to be owned by somebody else. And if somebody does own you, you need to love them and, and serve them as if they were God and all these other things. I'm like, this is not adding up. Right. And I lean on that. That first thing I said, the um, love God with everything, paraphrasing, and love your neighbor as yourself. I finally came to a point where I realized there's nothing truer than this inside this Bible. Everything else is stories, but it all comes back to this. Mm -hmm. And a lot of those stories don't make sense. And a lot of them are contradictory, but it all comes back to these things. So I was just like, you know, what? I don't need the rest of this. I don't need all the rest of these stories. I don't need all these rules because the rules really don't align a lot of times with what Jesus said. It's like, so forget all of that and forget everybody trying to tell me I have to live in this way. I'm going to love God as I see God existing and I'm going to love people the way that I love myself and the way that I want to be loved and the way that I think they want to be loved. And it doesn't matter who they are or who who they have found that they are once they came into this world or who they love or anything like that. I'm just going to love people and I will let the rest of the chips fall where they may. And if I live this life and I love every person actively and then at the very end of this life, I've changed all these people's lives for a positive manner. I've created great human beings who went out to be leaders in this world. But because I didn't believe 
and a cross, I go to hell, then that's kind of stupid. But I'll eat that. I'll say, yep, guess I made the wrong decision being a great human being. I guess I'll go suffer for eternity. I'm willing to eat that because the, the other side of it, the follow all of my rules, hate the people I tell you to hate and be completely confused because nobody can explain why this stuff is the way that it is. I'm not living that life. Uh, it, it's not worth it to me. So, yeah, that's kind of how I've come to be where I'm at. But it also it burns me then as interacting with people who are trying to tell me the right way to live my life when I see them not living the things that they proclaim to and then using a book to explain why they don't have to live it that way. The same book that they claim is all about love. It, it doesn't make sense to me. And it bothers me when those people decide they know for me better than what I know. For a book that talks I've, so much about, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was. I've. I've had a lot of those. The last part of your statement there, since uh, actually since Trump became president or started running for president, because I grew up in a Baptist church. Uh, my wife and I uh, go to non-denominational church, um, which we enjoy. But when you start hearing all these things, and, and like I, like I, like you said. They're telling us to believe that, okay, God is love, and he wants you to love everybody. But these people are bad. This guy is better. Oh, Hillary Clinton's terrible. Uh, you should vote for Trump. And I'm like, I don't want my pastor being political, period. Just teach me the word, and I'll make my own decisions on that. But if you're going to be political... Don't choose the, the the scum of the earth as somebody I should follow because I, I just I can't look at those people the same now. And so I have not really been. I mean, I've been to church maybe four times in the last three years, two years, three years, because I, I can't deal with looking these people in the face and then being, you know, preachy and we go over the word and everything's great. But then you throw in a snide remark about a homosexual person or you say something about, uh, you know, the, the world being different now and these transgenders and, you know, all the bathroom rules here. That's a big thing in this area because I live in Mississippi, of course. So everybody's worried about the bathroom. Um, but it's it's just it's crazy to me. I mean, like you said, love each other as, as you do yourself, and, and that's really it. The rest of that, I, I don't, I don't know. I've talked to my mom about it. It's, it's not. I mean, she's, she's counseled me on it, but at the same time, all I really get is you have to go to the church for you. You have to study the word for you. You can't be worried about the people around you. But I'm saying, but these are the people that, you know. You're supposed to fellowship with, and I can't fellowship like this. I can't. So yeah. I didn't mean to interrupt you, dude. Oh no, no, no worries. I I've made a few posts, a few of them, where I'm like, you know what? I am not the church. I don't go to church. Uh, every book. Look, here's the way I look at it: the Old Testament should have been completely wiped out by the New Testament. And so all those rules about they made about uh, selling your 
your wife or your 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 daughter into slavery and and shellfish and especially what people still can't find but they keep talking about in regards to LGBTQIA folks should all been wiped out by love your neighbor as you love yourself and I am love and so I can't abide by Christians who will tell me to uh, we need to be good people while they're sitting in the church cutting their eyes at somebody that they can't stand who's sitting two pews away from them. That doesn't work for me. I can't abide by um, Catholic priests who are saying this is the way to heaven. The way to heaven is through me. Meanwhile, Catholic priests are sinning by assaulting young children. Baptist pastors are sinning by having multiple relationships outside of wedlock with people who are coming to them looking for answers, looking for hope, looking for Christ. And there's guys... Huh? I was going to say, you get that all people fall... We all fall short excuse. Yes, walk with me as I walk with Jesus. Yeah, it's the difference between falling short and just saying, you know what, I give up. I'm just going, I'm going to be trash. I, I'm falling, I ain't even falling short. I ain't even, I'm, I'm, I didn't even start jumping for the line. I didn't even go. I'm just at home doing what I'm going to do. I had a pastor tell me a couple months ago uh, that he listens to gangster rap. And I gained more respect for him than I have for any other pastor. Yes. If you, believe me, if you just say, look. I just turned my Tupac off. He got me hyped for this sermon. I'm with you there. I will be there every Sunday. Let's talk about real life. Mm -hmm. Yes. Don't tell me about how I should be doing this, this, and this when you're not even engaging in any of that. I shouldn't see a... I shouldn't see a different you on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and then you try and get back in character than the person I see on Sunday at church. I shouldn't, pastor, but I do. And nobody ever wants to talk about that. Nobody ever wants to talk about how pastors can be uh, backbiting too. How pastors have issues with people. How pastors don't like people because, look, the church is full of humans. Humans are fallible to a lot of different things, and it happens without warning, and it happens for uh, like to all of us. So... The Bible says that Jesus is the church. Jesus enters into me. Therefore, I don't need to go to that building. That that place that everybody's at, that's just a building of people who are really working to go against what God wants me to do, which is draw all people, draw all people unto him. Not I'll draw you in as long as you're not homosexual or, or gay or lesbian. I will draw everybody, every single one of you. And show you God's love through me. That's my job. So, and you say that, and then the other part to that is if you look in the Bible and you look at what Jesus did, he did not go to all the holier-than-thou people and say, let me spend time with you. Like, he he was at odds with all these Pharisees, he was at mm -hmm. odds with the religious community because 
he didn't seek their approval. He didn't go to their temple with them. He went out and he just lived among human beings and showed them love. That was it. So Hold on now, brother. Wait a minute now. These people got to pay for my Cadillac, uh, <laughs> my, my four homes, my seven yachts, six airplanes. Oh, so I get on, that, that's... right? I get that, but that's the preacher. But I'm talking about the people. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about the people in the church. The the whole idea that, you know, we want, I, I have to go to this place, I have to put on these airs so that I can be judged by these people who are all as holy or holier than anyone that I've ever met, right? Like, that that whole idea is what bothers me, is Jesus wasn't going to be around other people who already saw themselves as holy, he went to be around other human beings, and he just lived his life. And as people needed a lesson, he would drop a, a, a couple dimes on them, and that was it. But he was just there to be a part of the community. Now, you can do that, and then you can read this, and then you can go out and pay attention to everything except those four books right there and find the spots to have all the rules and then decide how people have to live in order for them to be in your good graces and this stuff gets so ingrained inside of people that then they find themselves in the completely illogical position of in a, um, interacting, that's the word I'm looking for, interacting with another human being who is just living their life as they know to live it. And then this person is so messed up in, that they're in their head that they feel like they have to somehow come to terms with this person's life in order for them to go on with their day without being stressed out. I mean, imagine how messed up your head has to be that you can just come into contact with somebody who is doing something different from what you're used to, and it completely messes your whole life up that this person is living their life that way to where you can't think you can't focus you can't move on you can't walk past this person without trying to tell them everything about what they're doing wrong because your whole brain is wrapped around the rules that somebody else has made you believe are are a thing when it would be so much easier you would have so few so fewer heart attacks and strokes and all this stress if you could just look at somebody and say huh and then walk on about your day. And it's like religion, not spirituality and not faith and, and not the core of what this religion is supposed to represent. But the religion itself puts so much stress into people and messes your head up so much that you can't even just interact with another human being and appreciate them for their humanity. That, that, that's, I, can't, I can't deal with that. I, I cannot deal with that. I have a real problem with any place where when you're a kid, your parents go out and and spend half of like the, 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 the spending money that they have left to get you clothes that you can only wear once a week for two to four hours that you can't do nothing else with because if you don't have these clothes, the people at this place won't accept you. 
that was a hard thing for me to come across because as a kid, again, we dress up, and I hated dressing up as a kid. I don't mind it now, but we would dress up. I mean, suit tie or button down or slack. I mean, it was to like just like you're describing. And then we would go to church, and they would tell us Jesus accepts you as you are. And I'm like, why? So I could roll up here in my pajamas, right? But no, I mean, I sat beside people that were talking about somebody else. I've, you know, at the dinner we used to have after the service, uh, I would hear people, did you see sister such and such? Did you see what she had on? Oh, my God. Uh, Brothers, you know, brother such and such kids. Oh, my goodness. They had holes in their shirt. I'm like, but y'all tell me Jesus don't care nothing about any of this. One of my favorite songs is, and I talked about this somewhere i don't know i i do a lot of talking <laughs> um take six come unto me and it's a bible verse that no one ever thinks about in its proper context but the song is beautiful and the song simply says come unto me all you who labor and i will give you rest take my cross and follow me for I am meek and lonely in heart, and you will find rest into your heart. It, it, it's it's not saying come unto me unless you're wearing Nikes into service. Come unto me unless you um, are experiencing, um, uh, unless you are LGBTQ. Come unto me unless you've had more than one uh, child by more than one uh, person. Come unto me unless you're homeless. It doesn't say any of that, and people lose sight of that because I think that they feel like Christianity is a club that is exclusive, and it's not supposed to be exclusive. It's not supposed to be a private group. It's not supposed to be a secret group. It's supposed to be open to everybody. Everybody can walk in, which is why you see people on death row saying, I'm going to give my life to Christ. Because it's not like you, you, you can't, there's no test, there's no fee the church puts fees on everything. The church wants you to pay to do all these things. Jesus just wants you to bring more people to him. And in all honesty, I don't know if heaven's real. I don't know if hell is real. Because I haven't been able to talk to anybody who died who's able to tell me so. But I do know that I enjoy the way that the music made me feel. And the way that believing in something made me feel until I started thinking about the way that other people felt when that something took something away from them. And that's when I started having questions. Um, so oh, for sorry, me growing up, oh, sorry. Um, just on that last thing you said, you know, for me growing up, I, the music did nothing for me and the sermon did nothing for me. The, the entire Sunday experience did nothing for me, but you know what I loved? I loved Wednesday nights. Because I'm a I'm a learner, right? That's what that's what gets me going. I love going to Bible study. Mm-hmm. I'll sit in a one hour Bible study and have a deep conversation about a few different scriptures. I'll do that all day long. Mm-hmm. When I went to when I chose colleges to finish my degree, I made sure that I chose Christian colleges, not because I was so steeped in the religion, but because I know there's truth in what Christianity really is, and I want. I wanted an opportunity to be around people who were trying to um, understand that truth better 
and in the context of the education they were getting. I, I had a great experience at the Christian colleges that I went to to get my degree. But the the celebration and the service and the praise and all that stuff, that, that stuff never meant anything to me. It was it's the learning piece that connected me. We all connected different pieces of it. When I was a kid, when I was in junior high school at my church, uh, we had this program called True Love Waits. Either one of y'all ever heard of that before? You mean the folks who wait for marriage before they get before they have sex? Yes, yes. So it was this was a program that was targeted at like junior high students and um, and young high school students. And it basically was like a six week program that you go through and it's got this whole curriculum. And then at the end of it, you make a pledge to wait until marriage. And like you get this little promise ring that you wear that you're going to wait. Right. And the person who ran this class at my church was my mom. So the first year I went through it, you know, I went through everybody went through. We all made our little pledge. Boom, boom, boom. Get the ring. Boom. That's that's the thing. Right. Um, but between 12 and 13, the next year it came around, I knew I'm not doing that. I, I, I had, I had discovered that, no, this is not going to be the person that I am. And so it came around the next year, my mom's doing it. And I went through the class and, you know, when it came time to do the whole pledge thing, you know, I, I talked to my mom at home and I said, I'm not doing it. I'm, I'm not going to tell that lie in the church because I already know. Like, I have discovered my hormones, and I know when the opportunity arises, this is going down. And my mom, she said, you know, do what's right for you. Then nobody is pressuring you. I don't care what other people think. If you go through and you decide not to do it, I don't care what they look at. I don't care what they think about me. I don't care what they think about you. Live your truth. And so that second time around, I was like, all right, class was nice. I'm not making the commitment. And my mom never pressured me on it. I don't know if there was anybody in the church who came to her about it, but she never brought it back to me. But that was the first experience I had in a very religious household, right? My, I had a grandfather who was a preacher. My whole family is in the church. Um, but that was the first experience I had where somebody said, you know, be you. I'm going to love you for you. And then, um, you know, this, the same experience now. Like I said, I'm, I'm married to a, a Catholic woman. And I made the decision several years ago, like, I'm just I'm done. I'm done going to your church. I'm done going to my church. I'm, I'm not doing this anymore. This is not real to me. But uh, me and my wife, we, we joke sometimes about, you know, me being a heathen. We don't do it. I joke about it. You know, me, her being married to a heathen and all this kind of stuff. And, you know, she she says, you know, you're not a heathen. You're just angry with the establishment. <laughs> and I'm like. Well, what establishment? I'm, 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 I just, I don't believe in religion. And she was like, yeah, the establishment. It's like, but you, you are spiritual. You do lead us. You do have a heart that is full of love for people. It's like, you, you just, you just mad at the establishment. I'm like, okay, cool. Like she sees me, she knows me, she trusts me. And, you know, for anybody else out there who, who comes across, these people outside of your home, outside of your house, who feel like they have the answer for you and they want to judge you and direct you and tell you what's best for you. If you got people in your life who see you, who truly see you, you know, live for yourself, live for them, live your truth. Do not be worried about these other people because, you know, one statement from any one of them doesn't mean a thing when you can look at your, your significant other or you can look at a family member who's going to say, you know, I see you for you, I love you for you, 
I disagree, but be who you are. Uh, it's just, it means so much to me. Having that support can change your life, and you're absolutely right. I don't really have anything to add to it. I don't, because <laughs> that's beautiful. I, I, Your wife seems like somebody that I would love to uh, meet. Like, y'all seem like y'all are a really strong team. Like, a, a really strong... I don't even know what to say because it's like you're supposed to two are supposed to come become one, which is we'll talk about that later. But um, y'all y'all seem like y'all got each other and you understand each other and you and you love one another, which is beautiful to me. Absolutely. I loved Bible study. And and it wasn't so much the Bible study aspect as it was talking with other people and seeing how their experiences in life reflected what was going on in the Bible. And one of my greatest uh, times at church, one of the greatest things that I, I, I felt I was able to do at church was be a Sunday school teacher where we threw out the, the, the Sunday school Bible stories. We threw those out the door immediately. And we talked because these were sixth graders. These were seventh graders. And so we talked about what was going on in their day-to-day life at their schools. And we would try and bring that back to a, Bible verse to a Christian lifestyle and we will talk about whatever they were going through and if we found a Bible verse that, that that fit what they were going through we did if we didn't then we had a discussion that they felt they were able to be open and honest about and the rest of the church hated it and I lost my job I lost my job as a Sunday school teacher because I refused to read those same old stodgy stale old Bible uh, vacation Bible school stories and Sunday school stories that we've been reading since we were kids with that whole felt uh, wall or the whole felt cave thing for when Jesus rose from the dead. You got to pull the, the rock away and then put it on another part of the felt board. I didn't want to do that. I don't want these kids to walk in the same. That's the thing about Christianity. That's the that's that's the primary thing about religion that got me was that everybody is expected to walk in the same straight line. You all have to follow behind one another. There's no deviation. But there should be because not everybody's the same person. And you can't expect us all to be that same mindset. Some people have questions, and if they question you, what are you going to do? Kick them out the church? The answer is yes, by the way. But that's not the way that you show caring. Corbin, did you have something? Ah, oh, man, not really. I was just listening to what you guys were saying. I mean, you've uh, hit all the, the the good points. The music was important to me. Um, I did find myself in my early 20s, though, uh, going to different types of churches. I, I'm one of those people that I don't believe just because I believe it, and I was told it, that it necessarily has to be exactly true. So I want to learn. I'm a learner. I didn't like Bible study, but I like to learn. Uh, so I went to a Mormon church once. Hardest thing in the world for me to get out of. Uh, <laughs> but but I went, and it, it was it was different. I went to a Catholic church, and I left in ten minutes. I, I it didn't have music. The music was what I was missing everywhere I went. That that worship through songs 
and I guess the the Baptist way of doing things or the Pentecostal way of doing things, I really did miss. And so I just, it, it was always something, like you said, Rashani, is when you start asking questions, they don't want to answer those. <laughs> and it could be, it's not a, a question to trip you up. It's just a, it's a legitimate question. And they're like, no, no, we don't do that here. You know what? That, that bugged me as well. One of the questions that I had that no one ever really wanted to answer was, again, a lot of the questions I had were from the Old Testament, and they never wanted to answer it. But one of the most simple questions I had was, do y'all really think that it was okay that when the men in Sodom wanted to attack the angel that came from heaven to talk with Lot, he gave up his daughters instead? He said, you can't have this man, but go ahead and rape my daughters. And y'all think that's okay because it's in the Bible? Like, do you, what? No answer. Nobody could ever respond to that part. And that's when I realized that the people who are reading these stories is just that, people reading these stories. If you didn't write the book, you don't really have the answer why that part was written, what happened. You are literally, we are literally reading a history book. And asking somebody who's standing right there the same age as you what they think about, what, what they're taking from this situation. You could do that at home. Find your own small group of friends who you trust implicitly that you can have open and honest conversations about. Find people on Skype. Have a video conference. And be open and honest about the conversations that you have. Be open and honest about what you read in the Bible, what you see in the Bible, and what you experience in life, and what works for you and what doesn't work for you. And I guarantee you, that's how you get unburdened. For Gerald and Corbin, I'm Rashani. We thank y'all so much for your time. Y'all be good. Peace. You can follow the show at Unburdened Pod on Twitter. Voicemail is 916-572-9016. Email is blackinunburdened at gmail.